Well, good morning, VRBC. Um, it's great to be here this morning. We're continuing in our series called Windows, and, and it's the, the subtitle, Parables That Paint a Picture. Now, I don't have this weird obsession with windows that John shared, that he has last week, but I do love this image uh, for this series. Um, it's it's this, this image that that these parables that Jesus uses to teach are like little windows that we can see a new and different way of living. It's this, that the, 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 these are like images of, of uh, or glimpses into the kingdom of God, that, that, that Jesus uses these stories and it can, it can tell us what life can look like when we step into a relationship with him. I love that. So this morning we're gonna look at another one of Jesus' parables. It's the parable of the sower. This may be very familiar to you. Uh, it, it can be found in a few different places throughout Scripture. We can find it in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark. But this morning, we're going to look at Luke's version. So, if you will turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to look at this parable. This, this parable is broken up into a couple different sections. We see that, that Jesus actually shares the parable with us. Uh, and then uh, he explains it. And so that's the way we're going to look at it this morning. Uh, we're going to look at, at verses 5 through 8. It's where Jesus uh, tells us the parable. And then we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to look at uh, his explanation. Now, you may be thinking, well, if Jesus explains the parable, he definitely knows better than Caleb does. So we're probably going to get out of here a little early. Well, you're not wrong. Jesus does know more than me, but I'm, you're not going to get out that easy this morning. We do have some great truths to understand about this parable and what it teaches us about the kingdom of God. So, uh, if you'll, uh, st- we're going to start in verse 5. If you'll read along with me, and we'll get started. This is what it says. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other fe- fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You know, when I uh, read this, this verse, uh, verse 8, where it says, everyone who has ears to hear, let them hear, I thought of something that is a, maybe a little random, but just go with me for a minute. Uh, this, I, I promise it's got, a, it's got a point. It's called the mosquito tone. Anybody know what that is? Okay. Well, um, the mosquito tone, it, it uh, was pretty popular a few years back where younger people would play this in a room and it would have a pretty funny or interesting reaction. Um, in fact, there were two different reactions. So this morning, we're going to do a little test. So I want everybody to be really quiet. We're going we're gonna to play this, this sound, and I just want you to observe the reaction in the room. Let's play it. Yep. Okay, okay, we've had enough. We've had enough. Thank you. Okay, so uh, some of you may be thinking, did the sound booth mess up? Because uh, I didn't hear anything. Uh, well, that, that was by design, right? 
there were other people in the room, mainly right over here, that were plugging their ears and uh, not wanting to hear it anymore. Uh, this generally, uh, this sound can be heard uh, only by people under a certain age. Now, I won't share what age that is, <laughs> but if you're over 25 and you heard it, congratulations, you've got young ears. So, uh, yeah, but is, isn't that interesting that, that this noise that was played through the speakers for everyone to hear uh, could only be heard by a certain group over here? Uh, it was received in a, in a, in a different way way by all of you sitting in the room, right? Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Well, similarly to that tone, Jesus is trying to share something with us this morning. You know, he, he, the first part of this parable, Jesus talks about a farmer or a sower. And did you recognize, um, did you recognize how he was spreading the seed? Did you recognize his tactic? Uh, he didn't say, I'm going to spread a little bit over here, and then I'm going to walk over here, and I'm going to spread a little bit over here, and then I'm going to walk over here, and I'm going to spread a little bit over here. No, he said, uh, he, he, he spread it across all of his land. He, he liberally broadcasted it across his land so that each spot had an opportunity to, to grow crops. You notice that? And similarly, this morning, we uh, we see that, 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 uh, that this tone could be heard by certain people around the room. It was received in different ways. Now, uh, we also know, and we'll get to this here in a minute, a little bit more in depth, that Jesus really isn't talking about the soil here. He's talking about all the people in the crowd around him. And he has a message. He has a message for them to, that they're coming from all different backgrounds but he has this message for them. Similarly, this morning, each one of us step into this room from different backgrounds, different uh, uh, family lives, different cultural backgrounds, different countries even. But what Jesus is saying in verse 8 when he says, uh, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, is that this, this story, the, the, his word is important and for, it's important for each of us, and he wants all of us to hear it. He doesn't want anyone to miss it. You see, Jesus calls us to hear. This is what we see in this passage. Jesus is calling us to hear. So, the question is, how are we going to be people who don't miss his message? How are we going to be people that hear? Because it's important we can't afford not to hear it. So what can we do? Well, let's, let's keep reading. Let's pick up in verse 9. It says, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Uh, but to others, I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. They, they, they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, uh, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. 
The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, who retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, I want us to break down this section of our passage this morning. First is we see two different elements in this story that remain constant or, or that remain the same, right? Just as that persistent little mosquito tone was, the, was, was broadcasted for everyone in here, the, both the sower and the soil, both the messenger and the message are the same for all four soils. So here's the, the, the first truth that Jesus wants us to understand from this is that in the kingdom of God, the sower and the seed are consistent. The sower and the seed are consistent. We see that in this parable, don't we? The sower, the one who is, spread, who is spreading the seed, the, the, is the same for the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, the good soil. There's a consistency in the sower. Well, we need to ask, who's, who's the sower? Well, if you look back at the first verse of Luke chapter 8, uh, Luke says, tells us that, that Jesus is the one who came to proclaim the kingdom of God, came to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. So it's clear to us that in this parable, Jesus is referring to himself as the sower. The sower is Jesus. You know, this reminds us of a truth, a powerful truth that's echoed all throughout Scripture. We see this all throughout Scripture that Jesus is consistent. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He's consistent. This is a confession of the changeless nature of Jesus. We, we, we see that all throughout Scripture. Now, let, 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 me, let me say this. We, we rely, or we can whether good or bad, can rely on a lot of things in our life, right? We can, we can rely on other people to provide what we need emotionally, physically, spiritually. We can, we can rely, we can rely on those things. Remember I said good or bad, we can rely on social media for connecting us with other people, for, uh, for, for providing some cultural relevance, for, for uh, maybe sometimes even giving us an image of who we should be. We can rely on our own willpower sometimes to, to, to fix that broken relationship in our life, to, to fix the problems that we have, to make changes in our life, to mend those relationships. But let me ask you a question, or some questions. Have you, has anyone ever failed to meet your expectations when you relied on them? Have you ever been misled or overly distracted or, or, uh, or had a, slipped into an unhealthy view of yourself because of something you saw or interacted with on social media? Or have you ever felt like on your own you haven't been enough or had enough to fix that broken relationship? You haven't had enough or been enough to to be all you needed to be for those people who need you in your life. 
or, or you, you haven't, you just can't move past or, or, or find health from that addiction in your life. Here's the thing. While relationships, connection can be really good, and, and, and they're, they are given to us by God, they're, they're not all bad, but the thing about people and culture and ourselves is that we can be inconsistent. We can change. We can, we can shift. We can be unreliable. I heard someone say the other day about our culture uh, that our culture is consistently inconsistent. Think about that. It's always changing. It's always shifting. It's not something that we can put our full hope and, and trust in. But you know who isn't uh, inconsistent? You know who isn't always changing? You know who isn't always shifting? Jesus. While we are woefully inconsistent in many ways, Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. While we are woefully inconsistent in defeating the sin in our life, Jesus, by his grace, defeated sin once and for all. While we are in, when we're inconsistent in, in praying for other people, Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. When we're inconsistent in forgiving those people in our life, Jesus has already forgiven us and is an example of forgiveness for us. Just like the farmer in his story, Jesus is unchanging and unchangeable. He's trustworthy. He, he, his love is constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the sower. This is Jesus. Consistent. The next part of the parable uh, is the seed. We, we, we know this because uh, Jesus tells us that the seed is the, is, the, is the word of God. It's the good news that Jesus has come to share. It's, it's the news about him, about him coming to reign and rule in the lives of his people. It's this good news. This, the seed is the word of God. So if we trust and are confident that Jesus is consistent, then we can trust what he says, right? We can trust what he says. Isaiah 40 says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. The word of God, the seed, his message about the kingdom of heaven is to be trusted and, to take, and taken seriously. It's consistent. Because the sower is unchanging, so is the seed. Because uh, the message... The messenger is consistent, so is the message. Now, these truths about Jesus and, and his word, are, are they're trustworthy, and they're necessary for us to understand and really to take to heart in order for us to hear from him. Remember, Jesus calls us to hear. And for us to hear, we have to trust him and his word. We have to have an understanding of that. He wants us to hear from him. The next part of the parable that we see are the soils. And, and these are explained by Jesus, and, and we understand that these aren't actually soils. They're actually people, and not just people. They're the heart condition of a person. 
They're the, the heart condition of a person. And what do we recognize about these soils, about these heart conditions? Well, we see that three, three of these hearts, three of these heart conditions, they, they result in a failure or an unpredict, uh, unproductive faith. And then we see one is an example of a faith that is vibrant and it produces a spiritual crop of abundance. So let's pause for a second and review. I want, I want us to understand what Jesus is saying with these three parts of, of this parable. The sower, Jesus, is the same. He's consistent. The seed, the message of his kingdom, his word is the same and it's trustworthy. But the soils, the heart condition, that's where we see the difference. You see that? That's where we see the difference. See, what Jesus is saying here is that he is always going to be constant, reliable, and consistent. His message is always going to be constant, reliable, and consistent. But the soil, the condition of our hearts, that the receptiveness of people to him and his word is the difference in this story. You see, the second truth that Jesus wants us to understand about his kingdom is that the dirt makes the difference. The dirt makes the difference. Now, we've already talked about, this isn't, we're not, I'm not really talking about dirt. Jesus isn't really talking about soil. He's talking about the, the heart condition of a person. And I really want us to, to think about that this morning. We, we have the ability to be directly connected to and in relationship with the God who created us, who formed us, who knows us, who desires to make us new like John talked about last week. Jesus is warning us here, though, that if we're not careful, we'll be like those described in Hebrews 4.2 when it says, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. What a terrifying thought, right? That, that the gospel, the good news, the redemptive message of Christ's saving grace could have no value to me. I, I never want that to be said about me. I never want that to be the condition of my heart. I never want to be closed off to, to God and his message. But the, the writer of Hebrews is telling us the same thing Jesus is, that the gospel is available and open to everyone who will receive it. But if we don't receive it and put our faith in its message and its messenger, we're saying it's worthless to us. It has no value to me. You see, the difference is not in the sower or the seed. It's in the, it's in the dirt. It's in the soil. So, that's not what we want to be. We don't want to be closed off. But, but how, what, what are some ways that a person can be closed off? Well, Jesus shares some of these ways with each of these soils. We're going we're gonna to work through these really quickly. The, the path, the, the, this represents a heart that is, that is no response to God's kingdom. They're hardened by indifference and skepticism of his word. This is the heart that refuses to give any weight to the truths found in Scripture. 
Uh, uh, and, and that heart allows, because of this, because of, uh, of, of the, their hardening of their heart and, and, and the, they're setting aside the truths of Scripture, it allows the devil's deceit to take control and take hold of their heart. The rocky soil, this represents the, the heart whose roots are shallow. It, it, it can't, it's unable to hold on to the source of life. This heart receives the word with initial enthusiasm, but then as they, as they begin down the road of understanding and, and, and life becomes challenging and, 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 and hits uh, roadblocks, which our lives do, our lives hit those challenging times, when, when that happens, they, they, that initial enthusiasm quickly withers and they turn to what they know and what has brought them temporary uh, peace, whether that's self-reliance or maybe seeking approval from other people or maybe an attachment to an addiction. Whatever that is, they seem, they, like I said, they seek temporary relief instead of seeking the permanent rest and rejuvenation from their creator. The thorny soil, we, we see this third soil. This is, this is, it represents the tangled heart that it receives God's word, but things choke it out. These hearts are preoccupied by the cares and distractions of the world. They, they may hear the word, but their attachment to worldly things and, and attachment to, to, to their past life, it chokes out its influence and it per, it's preventing it from bearing any fruit in their life. A great example of this in scripture is out of Luke 18. We see this story of the rich young ruler, right? Where, where he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? He knows who Jesus is. He knows he can get the answer. They go back and forth in conversation. And eventually, Jesus realizes this, this man is attached to his life, his current life, his wealth, all the, his possessions, his comfort. So Jesus tells him, you need to leave all that behind and follow me. And then it says, that this rich young ruler left sad because he was wealthy. He didn't want to give up those things in his life. He didn't want to prioritize Jesus' relationship over those things. He wanted to, to seek the, the temporary comfort, and it drastically changed his eternity. This, uh, uh, we're, we're, we've got a lot going on in our lives, don't we? We've got a lot of things that are happening a lot of sources of distraction. Jesus just gives a few. He talks about life's worries, finances, pleasures. Now, some of these things can be really great. I, I, and what Jesus is not saying that being financially secure or, or having things in your life that bring you joy or, or, or that we shouldn't be diligent about thinking about the future. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that it can be so easy for us to get swept up in, in all of the busyness of life. It can be so easy to get comfortable in the way that we live that we put our relationship with Jesus just on another item on our checklist. Or we don't consider him at all in our relationships, in our, in our jobs, and at home. Uh, we, we, we don't consider him at all. Now, Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you, you're asking or you're thinking, Caleb, why, why would I need to value this in my life? I feel like I'm 
doing just fine without it. Or, or maybe you're saying, I, I, I come to church, I, 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 I listen to Christian radio on, on my way to work, and, and all that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful we're, we're filling ourselves with, with things that are, are positive and, and uplifting and, and pointing us to Jesus. But, but we miss so much when we don't put the first priority, all of our value, into uh, what we can, can gain from, from a relationship with Jesus. We're, we're missing so much when we're not focusing on God's kingdom, when we're not focusing on, on our spiritual maturity and growth, because we're, we're, this is a lifelong journey with him. And we're not allowing Christ to really change our life when he's not our first priority, when he doesn't influence every other part of our life. When we devalue God's kingdom, when we put our faith on the back burner, our hearts begin to look like those first three soils. Our hearts become hard to the things of God, or, or our hearts become distracted uh, and, and full of things that draw our attention away from Him, or our hearts, or, or our hearts uh, become become uh, uh, just uh, looking at Jesus as a way to to fix little problems here and there. But but what, when our hearts are hardened or unresponsive towards God, or or when we seek uh, when our heart seeks comfort uh, during difficulty outside of the capable arms of Jesus, and when our heart is overgrown and distracted by the world, if, if, if we have these kinds of hearts, we may see Jesus, but not really know him and what he, has, what he can provide for us. We may, when we have these kinds of hearts, we may hear the truth uh, 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 that God, of God's kingdom available for us, but we, we may not understand and experience the fullness of of life we can have and find in him. And man, do we miss out on so much that God's kingdom has to offer. But when our hearts are open and receptive to his grace, to his mercy, to his direction, we experience the fullness of life with him. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this good soil. When he says in, in Luke eight fifteen. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, I want to be clear. This is not talking about the state of a person's ability to be good or not. This is talking about the receptiveness of their hearts. This, this soil, this good soil represents the openness of the heart to grab onto God's word. This is the heart that hears the word, it embraces it, it, it allows it to take deep root within them. You see the difference? Jesus is responding where each of the other three heart conditions are lacking with the faith of the fourth heart, fourth heart condition. Where the path, the hardened heart, didn't even hear God's word, uh, the good soil hears the word and is receptive to it. Where the thorny soil was, was distracted uh, and, and choked out, the good soil was receptive uh, and, and retains the faith and is committed to it. Where the rocky heart withered quickly at the sight of difficulty, the good soil perseveres. 
This perseverance, uh, it, it perseveres through trials uh, and remains steadfast in their faith because they experience firsthand the trustworthy, unchanging nature of the sower and the seed. Not a commitment for a month, a year, a decade. It's a commitment that says through thick and thin, through the ups and downs, through the challenges of life, through the good times and bad, we're going to be people whose lives are filled with the kingdom of God. We're going to be people who trust him to take care of us. We have people who, who desire to reflect his image. See, Jesus wants your heart, not just some of it, all of it. He wants your heart. Remember, Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us this morning, and he desires the heart of each and every one of us. But this parable, he, he tells us that there are some who are going to be receptive and some that are not. See, it's, it's, the seed, it's not the seed that's different. It's the condition of the heart. Raises this question, though. What allows this fourth soil, this fourth heart, to be fruitful and receptive while the others aren't? Because let's be honest, there are times where we can get superficial or tangled or hardened. But here's the thing. Our hearing matters. Our hearing matters. This word here is used seven times in this, in this parable, in this passage of Scripture. This kind of hearing is, is much more than just listening. Um, it's, it's listening with spiritual receptiveness and response. We see that. Our receptiveness and response to what Christ has for each of us, it matters. It matters. Here's the question we can ask ourselves. How's our hearing? How responsive are we to God's word? I saw a video the other day um, of a guy named Corey Ashbery. Uh, some of you may know who that is. Others, uh, if you don't know who that is, he's an accomplished singer, song, Christian singer-songwriter. Now, in this video, he was talking to uh, and, and playing for and singing for a group of inmates in a prison. Um, and he was talking about one of his biblical heroes, King David. But he started out in an interesting way. He started talking about all the things David had done wrong, which there's a list, we know, right? We, he started off by talking about uh, the, the, the lust of, of, of David over Bathsheba, and, and how, uh, who wasn't his wife, and, and how he sent her wife off to die at war and then stole um, stole uh, her wife or his his wife uh, for himself. Uh, then he transitions over to uh, describing another difficult area of David's life, and that's his relationship with his son, who hated him and wanted to kill him. Um, and all of this is laid out in Scripture for us to see. But here's uh, what Corey reminds this group of inmates is what God says over David. He said, this is a man after my own heart. But David is a mess up on all accounts. And yet, he still says, this is a man after my own heart. Then Corey says this, I think that the thing about King David that sets him apart was when he messed up, 
He didn't run away from God. The thing about David is he, he ran to God when he messed up because he knew God loved him. He didn't run away in shame. He didn't hide. He didn't freak out. He just ran to God. And, and he said, here I am again. I've messed up. And Corey said this. I think this is why God said, this is a man after my own heart. He's not afraid to come to me when he messes up. You see, David was inconsistent. But he saw and trusted the consistency of his heavenly father. There aren't perfect Christians. There aren't, uh, there aren't sinless followers of Jesus. There's no one whose heart is always pure or anyone who produces good fruit every moment of their life. And just because we walk with Jesus doesn't mean our life's going to be perfect. But I would suggest that people who, who uh, have open and receptive hearts to God's word are honest about how sometimes their hearts get tangled, are honest about how sometimes their hearts get superficial, how, how, and maybe even hard sometimes. They know they need God's grace to keep their hearts open to Jesus and his word. Because as it says in, in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. See, people with open hearts regularly go to God for a heart realignment. And we rely on his grace to help us live out what he says. I know most of you have been to the airport and walked through one of those full body scanners, you know, where you look like you're doing a jumping jack for a long time. Uh, and, and it scans and looks to see, you know, if you're uh, taking anything you're not supposed to. Now, I know we don't have one of those for our spiritual lives, but, but it's passages like these that can serve as mirrors that force us to honestly grapple with our heart's condition. Earlier I said we can't afford not to hear Jesus' message here, but I want to add something. Not only can we not afford not to hear it, we can't afford not to respond to it. As we examine these different kinds of soils, we need to ask ourselves, what type of soil am I? Am I allowing the word of God to take root in my life and change me from the inside out to produce spiritual fruit or am I allowing distractions and worries and doubts or hard bitterness uh, hinder my relationship with him and my growth? May we be like the good soil who's open and trusting and receptive to his word. You know what would happen if all of our lives were, were, were transformed by God's word and his and his kingdom, our relationships would be healthier, our lives would be characterized by joy, maybe we would respond with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control at home, at work, at school, with our neighbors. You see, Jesus has a message for all of us to hear. When we're receptive to his word, he, is, he will be faithful 
to transform us to look like him. Because we know and we can have full confidence in his word. And when he says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. Let's open our hearts to the kingdom of God. Let's be receptive to him and his word. Let's grab it and begin to live it out. And if we do, he'll be faithful to produce an abundance of spiritual fruitfulness in us. In us and through us that, that will influence every fabric, fabric of our being and all of those that we come in contact with for him. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for who you are. Father, we, um, we're so thankful that we can trust you and your word. Father, as it says in Ephesians 1.18, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Amen.